amillennialism, postmillennialism. I can't always even say it right every time. But um, the return of Christ, and on three different views. And as I was studying, there were a few more things was one to study out, but also I'm still working on putting them in PowerPoint. And so I'm going to save that for next week. And then I'm also going to go ahead and do that for the regular service instead. So it will be during our 11 o'clock hour instead of our Sunday school. Lauren, could you also grab a cup of water on the corner? And so well, it's a fascinating study, you know, looking at it from all different views and perspectives, at least the three um, major views. Um, there's sometimes other views that are completely outside of um, Christianity. All right, Judges chapter 16. I'll uh, just start, I'm reading verse 1 just to get started as we already did the reading earlier. But I said, Then went Samson to Gaza and saw her in Harlot and went in unto her. And so when you look at Samson's life, you see there are a lot of great victories. You see he's even mentioned in Hebrews 11, which we know is the Hall of Faith, um, a Hall of Heroes, of Christian heroes and um, Jewish believers in the Old Testament um, living for the Lord. And you even see Samson mentioned in there, and you see um, with Samson's life um, that there are more times in the Bible where it specifically mentions, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him than of anyone else in the Bible. And so there were times where he had a walk with God, and there were times where many times the Spirit of God came upon him despite him, um, despite um, his failures. And so when you look at his life, you marvel at the victories that he won. Um, that one time that, um, you know, against the Philistines, he you know, takes out all their crops by tying um, some foxes' tails together, put them on fire, and they run through the fields. Um, you see that he destroys a lion um, with his bare hands, kills the lion. And so a lot of powerful victories, a man of much strength. But we see in his life many shortcomings as well. Many failures, particularly when it came to lust, to woman that he would find in his life and that lust would be his weakness they would end up sleeping with harlots a man that was dedicated to the lord a man that was sought after out of prayer because the wife was barren a man that would be dedicated to the lord but then would live in fornication and adultery. And so a question sometimes could come up is, what might he have been if he had stayed faithful? What might have been if he continued on the right path of serving the Lord faithfully? Remember Samson's life at the end 
where he ends up having his eyes gouged out. Yeah, see people squirm, see my eyes just being gouged out. My son Solomon, he always has a very vivid imagination. He always squirms at anything, pain anybody. Someone fall on the skateboard. Oh! I mean, imagine your eyes just being gouged out. Broken. No longer strong. You know, it's interesting. Some of you read the Bible without what you've been taught. Sometimes you'll see things in the Bible you didn't notice before. Sometimes you'll see things that it's just speculation. You know, it might the speculation might be right. But in reading this this week, I was like, you know what, there's some things that I often hear, but we really don't know. It's often thought of that Delilah was a harlot. We actually don't know for sure if she was. Because, you know, in many times people assume it because of verse 1, that he saw her in harlot and went unto her. But Delilah is not this woman. Delilah is discovered later in a different location. And we see that um, he falls um, in this love with her, or as we would more likely say, into a lust of her. But it could be that just some lady he met that was not a harlot, or it could be that she was. She may very well have been. There is... In some Jewish history, um, that perceives um, that she was. But again, it's because it's because we see Samson on a regular basis sought after Harlot, so it wouldn't be surprising if she was. But the Bible does not actually specifically say she was. And another thing, the Bible does not specifically say, but it's probable. It may be implicit, but the Bible does not even say that Samson was having sexual relations with Delilah. Now, I think it's probable. Okay? You know, a woman gets a man um, down like that, she's going to be more likely able to get information out of him. You know, if a woman wants to try, you know, hey, can I get $50 for the store? Go shopping. This particular time you ask, you may get answer approval more often. Delilah would have known that. And we see Samson. Alan's smiling here when I say that. So we see Delilah. Women, we do see at least on the last encounter that they were sleeping together and that, that he had... Um, she had him by the knees when, when she would be able to cut his hair because she finally got him to confess the truth of what would cause him to lose his strength. She already asked him several times and like put, put, put some lips around me, seven of them, um, that have not been dried and I won't be able to break free. Well, the Philistines come, he breaks free. Then some new ropes, he breaks free. I'll leave you tie and put a web in my seven locks on my head. And sure enough, he breaks free again. 
And you would think by this time, Samson would know this woman is trouble. She's trying to get me killed by the Philistines. Let's try it again. And says, do, do, do you not love me? You know, you're not, you're not being honest. You've told me all these lies. Well, this woman's been trying to get him captured. And yet, again, most likely, the Bible doesn't specifically say, but most likely it may be implied that through the sexual, or sexual relationship or through a, just a lustful relationship at least, um, she was able to get him to confess what would make him weak. And he tells her. What would have been of Samson's life if he had been faithful? Instead, we see that he was disobedient. and did not take good counsel, good wise advice. We see with his parents. His um, parents told him not to marry a woman of the Philistines, and this is before this time. And he says, you know, there's people of our people, marry them, don't marry one of these pagan women. And yet, we see Samson goes, no, this woman pleased me well, give her to me. And in all that, the Lord still worked for that. You know, even in our poor decisions, the grace of God sometimes works and spares us, and we see that God did end up using his marriage to this woman to be able to destroy the enemies of God. But he was not listening to wise counsel on who he was to marry. But interestingly, again, the Philistines, um, I could be wrong, but just looking at it, I believe it was not among the seven nations that God forbade Israel to actually um, intermarry into. Now, because of the paganism, it would still be expected. But troubles happen when we don't listen in life. Children, we have more trouble in our lives when we're disobedient, when we do not listen to our parents. You hear that, Brody? When we don't listen to our parents, our life gets miserable. Sometimes it may be a patting on the rear end. Right? Just bear not the rock. You know, don't bear for their crying. You know, they're not going to go to hell if they get spanking. But if they don't get spanking, the Bible says there's possibility. You know, the Bible says that if we use the rock, we use discipline, biblical discipline, not anger. Not, not the unrighteous wrath and abuse, but proper discipline and love that you may spare their soul from hell. Because one, they're learning right from wrong. They're learning that there is someone that is in greater authority, the Lord. And we're not saved by doing right versus doing wrong. But we still learn there's consequence for sin. And there's a consequence when we sin against a holy, holy, holy God. And so children say this, okay? When we disobey, okay? Say, when we disobey, as I am, you grandkids, when we disobey, say, good job, Brody. 
We're going to get you something out of the treasure chest, all right? Okay, now watch. All the kids are going to pay attention. Say it when we disobey. Our life will be harder. Yes. And the Bible teaches when we obey that God will give. It's the one commandment, the first commandment with promise that God will give us a long life on this earth. And so there's a blessing for obedience. But we see Samson did not always obey. You know, troubles often begin when we do not listen. When we do not take heed to instructions. In July of 1976, Israeli commandos made a daring raid at an airport in Uganda. During which 103 Jewish hostages were freed. In less than 15 minutes, the soldiers had killed all seven of the kidnappers and set the captives free. As successful as the rescue was, however, three of the hostages were killed during the raid. Could have been 106 freed, but instead it was 103. As the commandos entered the terminal, they shouted in Hebrew, Get down! Crawl! Get down! Crawl! Now the Arab people, they didn't understand Hebrew, but the Jewish people understood what was being said. And so they, they, they got down on the floor while the gorillas, not like monkey gorillas, okay, but gorilla warfare. They didn't understand a word that was being said. And so they stood up. They, they stayed up. Quickly, the rescuer shot the kidnappers. Two of the hostages hesitated. They looked around. They didn't know what was going on. But they did understand the words to get down and crawl. But they hesitated. And they ended up being shot as they were left standing. Another lying down stood up when the commandos entered in to see what was going on. And he was shot with bullets that were meant for the enemy. Had these three heeded the soldier's command, they would have been freed with the rest of the captives. And you know, back to with training our children. You know, sometimes a swat on the hand or, or, or some discipline on the rear is needful. You'll spare their life that you may be teaching them, don't run into the road when they're young. And a little bit of discipline on the rear, when they start doing it, will teach them, okay, I better not run, which could save their life. So they don't run into the road and get ran over. And so Samson, his life was hard because he did not listen to wise counsel. He did not obey he didn't obey his God. Part of Nazarite vow was to not touch any dead body. We see that after the lion was killed, that he went back to the dead carcass and fed the people honey out of the dead carcass. And so again, that was in disobedience to his vow um, of being around a dead carcass. 
His, we see his disobedience in his lust and in his pride. We see Samson distracted. And so not only will disobedience affect our life in a negative way, but distractions will negatively affect our life. One of the most important things that God's people can do is to stay focused on the things that please God. To know, to know His Word, to know what pleases Him. Time after time, Samson lost his focus. Goes after the girl over there, then he goes after a harlot over here. He keeps getting distracted from God's plan for him as a righteous judge in Israel. He allowed the things in life to distract him. Time after time, and it squandered his opportunities. Legendary baseball players, Hank Aaron and Yogi Berra. Um, Hank Aaron was new to the major leagues um, with the Milwaukee Braves many years ago, um, but was already one of the top home run hitters. And Yogi Berra was a, co um, a colorful veteran catcher for the Yankees that always liked to mock batters as they came to the plate. Always would chat him up. A batter would be up. Um, he would go, "Come on, are you going to hit air? Are you just going to hit air?" Uh, he would always try to mock him. Always try to cause trouble. Try to cause the batter to be distracted. One day he told, he said to Hank Aaron, "You're holding the bat the wrong way. You're supposed to turn it so you can read the label on the bat." He, Hank Aaron just ignored him. Just kept his eyes on the pitcher. And this was during the World Series. He kept his eyes on the pitcher. The ball was thrown, and Hank Aaron hit a home run. He stayed focused. He did not allow the catcher to distract him. After he got to home plate, he said to Yogi, he goes, I didn't come up here to read. He didn't come up there and read the bat label. He came to hit the ball. He came to hit a home run. Keep your focus or you're going to get distracted in life. You know, it's, you could apply it in so many ways. It could be at your work. You know what? Stay focused. Don't allow yourself to get distracted. You know, ministries is prob probably one of the things that is so most... I'm not using proper English, but the most easiest... Way to be distracted. My wife will let me know that I spoke it wrong. I already know, honey. The most easiest. Or should I say the more easiest? That's not right either. <laughs> be easier to be distracted. In ministry, it's easy to be distracted in ministry. There's things here, there's things there. But in anything, we got to learn to discipline ourselves. To set things so we don't get distracted so we can stay focused on the main thing one of the most challenges challenging things is the preacher is to stay focused when studying things come up needs come up people need to come over and now there's a time a place where okay there's an emergency you allow things to be distracting you know, there's sometimes a greater need that happens. But we need to make sure that those are the exceptions and not the rule. 
But there are things that could distract us. And one of the things that could distract us is not having your notes on the right page. <laughs> but it's past victories. We can look at the things in our past and then, oh, wow, those were wonderful days. And it's a good thing to remember good days, okay? There's nothing wrong with remembering good days. But don't let it be a hindrance where you think of the good days all in the past that there can't, isn't anything good today. Okay, yes, your children maybe aren't as little as they used to be. Okay, well, yeah, enjoy the memories, but don't let that be a distraction where you despise the teenage years because you're focused on the little years. No, enjoy your teenagers. There's new things you could do that you couldn't do before. Enjoy them. Don't talk about your children like they're a burden. Because any burden they are is because it's how we train them. Okay? You don't want to speak ill of yourself. Amen? But past victories. Yeah, the only one that could really rejoice about past victories is Tom Brady. Because he keeps on winning new victories too. Okay? Whether you hate him or not. He is. Watch him win again today. Okay? We'll see. Okay? But most people, if they focus on the past... Focus on the past victories. But not only the past victories, the past failures. Sometimes we'll look at the past and go, you know what, we screwed up here. We mess up and it becomes a hindrance. Sometimes it could be things that weren't, were done to us that were wrongfully done to us, no fault of our own, but if we stay focused on it, it hinders us from moving forward. Okay, go back, okay, Tom Brady Patriots, the Seattle Seahawks. Super Bowl Sunday, you got to expect football today, okay? Most of the last year you haven't heard it at all. You know, all the protests, it all got annoying, but at least now the media is not showing it. So, so don't have to get irritated as much all the time. But what destroyed the Seahawks was after that one-yard line, they didn't get, they didn't get in. They probably would have gotten it in if they gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Probably would have got a touchdown. People think, and then the Seahawks would have won. Well, there were still two more minutes. Tom Brady could have came back and won again, got another touchdown. But that consumed the Seahawks' locker room. They could not get over it. They were so close from winning two Super Bowls in a row. So close but they allowed it to tear them apart. The players were mad at each other. The defense was mad at the offense. They were upset with the coaches. And the locker room got fractured. And it affected their playing going forward. They want to be in denial, say, oh, it didn't affect it. It did. They still talk about it today. We still talk about it today. Okay? People still talk about it. But they've got focus on their failure. Some try to get the team to move past it, but they won't allow it. After other games that would come up, some of the players would mock the coaches. Doesn't do good when there's disunity. 
Same thing in a church. A church can't move forward when it's in disunity. But as a church is unified with a common vision um, to serve Christ, to love Christ, to love our neighbors, to um, serve one another, um, to edify each other, there could be great victory. But if we focus on every failure, every mistake we made. You know what? Sometimes um, some things I've had to catch myself. Okay, you know, sometimes we'll have um, new people come into church and um, they'll bring a new passion and new vibrance and um, they'll mention all these different good ideas and sometimes I'll catch myself. Yeah, we tried that and it didn't work. Just focus on past failures. Oh yeah, we got thousands of tracks for a VBS. We had one person show up. I guess like four or five years ago. Well, you know, another year we did it. We didn't get out that many, but we had more people come. I have some people still here because of it. And so we need to be careful not to focus on past failures. You know, like I said, we had I did day, you know, the previous year. Sometimes it keeps coming to my mind. We tried that. We tried that. It didn't work. You know what? Well, now, you know, we got new people. We got new people with a fresh vision, with a passion. And you know what? Maybe with... More people, there could be a synergy where maybe it didn't work before. Maybe it will work more effectively now. And then there are some things in the Bible. The Bible gives the recipe, okay? Go out and preach the gospel, okay? Go house to house, sharing the gospel. You know what? Yeah, it maybe didn't work yesterday. You know, it might not work next week. But we're going to do it because we're going to be obedient. You know, sometimes children may think, you know what, to their parents, you know what, that didn't work. Well, they didn't ask you if it worked, they asked you to obey. Okay? And so, you know, where do you obey our king? To obey our master. Even if one week it looks like, man, we go out, nobody's interested, nobody got saved. Um, nobody was like, oh, I can't wait to come to church. I've been praying that God would send you to my door. That doesn't happen to everyone. It does happen sometimes, though. So go out. Be an answer to someone's prayer. Amen? But past victories and past failures could hinder us from going forward. <clears throat> Paul said, Brethren, I count my, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There are things Paul put in his past. It's a good thing, you know what, where he was a Jew of Jews, uh, that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. It's like that I count but dumb. I count that but manure. That's in the past. This is now. And let's press on for victory in Jesus Christ. People who draw on the past will miss opportunities that are at hand. If Samson had not returned to see the lion he had killed, he would never have seen the honey nor broken his vow before God. Don't look to the past. I don't know why he went back. Maybe it was just because he had to go back that way. Maybe it was he wanted to go, wow, I want to see what I did. I'm strong. I don't know. It could have been pride. Don't know. No, I don't want to speculate too much. But don't let the past hinder you. 
What could have been for Samson if he didn't focus on things in his past? One of the reasons sometimes he would destroy things was because he was upset with his father-in-law. You know, another thing that hindered him was his current temptations. He went back to the vineyard to take a woman he was not supposed to marry simply because she pleased him. She wasn't a woman that was after God's heart. But that was in consideration to Samson. Same with many of Solomon's wives. Marrying all these pagan women. They, 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 they caused him to go towards idolatry. We see when Samson met Delilah, he had a choice. He could flee the temptation of the lust of his eyes. See, Joseph fled when there was another woman coming on to him, and he fled. Or Samson could pursue it, which he did. Samson gave in to the temptation, and that ultimately led to his destruction. Because of this one woman. Which really was a compilation of things. If he did not earlier keep on giving himself in new sin, he probably wouldn't be at this point with Delilah. Hey, people probably would not go out and commit adultery against their spouse if they did not allow pornography to get a stronghold in their life. They resisted it. You know, as parents teach their children when they're young to look away from images they shouldn't look at when it's everywhere around them in the world. Teach them from a young age, before the hormones are even there, what's right, what's wrong. That they may resist the temptation. But we see Samson had met with harlots before, and it made it easier for him to continue in deeper sin. We see Samson's life destroyed. We often fail to consider the gradual cumulative effect of sin in our lives. A woman in St. Louis in 1984 saw a few bees fly into her attic, but thought of it of no big concern. She, couldn't fit, she didn't fix the problem because it was just a few bees going into her attic. After a while, unknown to her, the attic became swarm with bees, hives, and honey, and her ceiling cave in. The woman barely escaped serious injury. But she was unable to repair the damage of all the neglect. Just a little bit here and there, thought it was no concern. And many times we could treat our sin that way. It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit of lust. Oh, it's just, yes, that TV show, it causes me a covet, but it's just a little bit. It's not hurting anybody. But that covetousness ends up destroying your marriage because of a life of discontentment building up. The Saratoga Monument has four niches, you know, in remembrance of the American Revolutionary War. One of them has General Shore, another one General Gates, another General Daniel Morgan, and the fourth one is empty. And that was a forever perpetual memory that would have been filled with Benedict Arnold for his earlier heroism had he not become a traitor. But his spot was not there because he was a traitor. What could have Samson's life been 
if he continued to be faithful to the Lord, if he did not fall for the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. We won't know, but we know it could have been much better. We see a depletion of power in Judges 16.20. That we see that his power is removed because of his sin and telling her what was supposed to be a secret. Our sin separates us from the blessings of God and deprives us of fellowship with Him. Isaiah 59.1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. Sin separates us from the blessings of God. Don't sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Like Esau and Jacob, selling his birthright just for a bowl of pottage. For the sake of a few brief moments of pride and pleasure, Samson lost everything that God had offered him. It's devastation of potential. There is no doubt that much of Samson's potential was wasted by his own foolishness and self-indulgence. John Greenleaf Whittier, poet, said, For of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. Don't let your life be, it might have been, because of a life of foolish living. And if you've already done that foolish living, don't be focused on it might have been then. Let Jesus give you victory for today and not let the baggage of the past hold you down. Samson, rather than seeking God's will, had said to his parents, Get her for me, for she pleased me well. Are we seeking what we desire for ourselves or are we waiting for the direction of the Lord? There's a reason, you know, the Bible says, wait on the Lord. You know, sometimes we want things now. But God's saying, you know what, just wait. Just hold on. Don't make decisions hasty. Don't try and do things your own way. As we see Abraham and Sarah, you know, go to the handmaiden. You know, it will help God keep his promise that will bear seed. Oh, don't get in the way of God. Wait on God. And while you're waiting, do what waiters do. Serve. Serve God while you're waiting for Him to reveal things to you. We reap consequences by what we sow. We see, that, we see with Samson what was one of his weaknesses. It's really a weakness that all men could have. But we see some men could really be given over to it. And it was the lust of the eyes. And we see what ends up happening is his eyes being gouged out. And so now he would be blind. No more to lust with the eyes. God took that out from him. Chasing him. Through his own enemies. You know, we'll reap what we sow. Don't let it be something in your life that God allows to be taken away because we didn't use it for His glory. 
You have a talent that can be used for the Lord. God forbid you lose it because you just use it for fame and not for the Lord. If you got a talent, you know what? Use it to excel, to succeed in life, in job, in business, whatever it may be. But use it for the Lord as well. Well, we see, see some illustrations for the life of Samson, some similarities with Jesus, some things that are greatly at contrast. But we see Samson and Jesus' births were both foretold by angels. And they both predicted that they would save their people. Samson would save the Jewish people from the Philistines. Jesus would save the Jewish people and the world. And their births were foretold by angels. Samson was born to a woman that was barren. Jesus was born to a woman that was a virgin. See, Samson was tempted these four times here in particular, and he falls for it. He falls for the temptation, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Jesus likewise was tempted in the wilderness, but he resisted the devil. He did not fall for the temptation. And so where man was weak, Jesus, though in the flesh, was God in the flesh, resisted that temptation. We see Samson defeated a lion. And we see that Jesus has already defeated and will continue to finally defeat Satan, whom the first epistle of Peter describes as your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Samson destroyed a lion. Jesus is going to crush this lion that seeks whom he may devour. Samson, who has many faults, is betrayed by his lover, Delilah. Jesus, who is without sin, is betrayed by one of his fellow friends, Judas Iscariot. Both Delilah and Judas were paid in pieces of silver for their betrayal. The Old Testament that Samson was blinded insulted and enslaved prior to his death. Jesus was blindfolded, insulted, and treated as a slave prior to his crucifixion. Let's go ahead and bow our heads, have a time of invitation. Samson pictures a cross in his final moments. That he, Samson had sin and he paid the price. But he knew it was God's will to destroy the enemies of God and the enemies of his people. And in his weak state, asking God for strength one more time, and pushes his hands out. He has to be put between two pillars. And he's standing there in the form, the shape of a cross. And he would die 
with the wicked. The Bible says that he killed more people in his death than he did while he was alive. But he killed the enemies of God. He killed the pagans while he himself also died. Jesus likewise perish among the wicked, having a thief and murderers being crucified on his side. One on one side, one on the other. And he became sin for us who, was no, who knew no sin. And so there's a big difference too. But we see Jesus died not that his enemies would perish, but that his enemies would be reconciled to God. That those that are perishing would be able to have life. Oh, thank God for grace. Thank God for the blood of Jesus who knew no sin became sin for us. If you don't know Jesus, we plead with you to trust in Jesus and believe in Him. There's nothing you can do to earn eternal life. Samson in the flesh, there was only able to bring forth death. But Jesus was able to save the wicked, to draw them to Him as He would be lifted up. Just as Moses with the brazen serpent was lifted up and they would look to live. All they had to do was believe. Them looking was just a demonstration of that faith, that belief. But we see with Samson's life, had much sin. He was the righteous man in the sense that he was safe in the hands of God. through the blood of Jesus that would come in the future, but Jesus being slain before the foundation of the world. Samson was a just man. But so much of his life was wasted potential. Wasted potential. May you decide today that you're going to do your best by God's grace, to not have your life be, they're saved, I'm saved, but my life was a waste for Jesus. My life had potential, but it was wasted. May that not be the case for your life today. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you help us not to waste our life. Yes, we all could look back in our life and see where there were times of wasted potential. But our life is not ending yet, and that could, we could turn that wasted potential into a useful potential for you. And we may be vessels of honor, prepared and ready for the Master's use. Help us to live our life for you, not to waste it for the pleasure of sin for a season. Build us up, Lord.
In Jesus' name, amen.